Merry Christmas and welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast Festivus Series. All month long, we're celebrating your favorite holiday films. Movies like Black Christmas, the 2019 remake, Silent Night, the Silent Night Demonic remake, Jack Frost, the Shannon Elizabeth version, and more. Tune in all December long as we revisit these Christmas classics. Welcome back to the Blood and Black Crumb Podcast. I am Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? We're back with another episode of our Festivus series for 2020. Uh, we are nearly to Christmas. It is the eve of Christmas Eve when we're recording this. And we're a little bit behind on uh, our episodes, so this might be coming out like around the same time that the other episode came out, which that could not be uh, helped. So, um, but what you do get is a doubled helping of Blood and Black Run podcast for your Christmas season. And of course, we're coming to you with another excellent choice, another Christmas classic cut. Of course, we've already done many of the classics, but the one that we're talking about today stars. And I should I say stars in a very um, tongue-in-cheek fashion. Michael uh, Keaton. Yeah, <laughs> not Michael Keaton. But it stars a very young Shannon Elizabeth. Very young Shannon Elizabeth. She's actually not even that young in this movie. Yeah, it's um, she has a, had a tendency back then to play characters younger than she actually was. I think um, I'm not exactly sure how old she was in this film. Um, I know that they're 25. Oh, wow. That old, huh? She was supposed to be playing an 18 year old. And she does have that, you know, that kind of like, I don't know, younger, younger face to her in this movie. So she gets away with playing a younger character. But of course, and, and no, we're not talking about 13 ghosts. We're not talking about American pie. Talking not about talking Sh- about James Bond 007 Everything or Nothing, the video game, where she is one of the Bond girls in that game. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she is. Her, Heidi Klum, and uh Um, I think Maya play the Bond girls. Wow. In the one game they got Pierce Brosnan's not just actual likeness, but him to voice over too, and Willem Dafoe's the villain. Uh-huh. It's a delightful game. That's a good little it, it addition there nice one yeah you're welcome we're we're talking about the christmas classic jack frost from 1997 sorry michael keaton not that one that was 1998 you know we should have for the opening you know what one of uh jack frost bands you know songs playing yeah 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 we don't uh we don't do openings for the festivist series but if we we did do an opening could certainly have that. Um, yeah, no, this is not the 1998 Jack Frost. Probably, you know, I, I don't know which film is better. The 1997, we could do a versus 1997 Jack Frost versus the 1998 Jack Frost. Which one's better? And I, I would probably say uh, this movie's better than the Keaton Jack Frost. Jack Frost is heart string pulling. Makes you think about the the good things in your life that could be taken from you at any moment, only to be given back to you as you turn into a snowman supernaturally. <laughs> Jack Frost from not supernatural. It's oh wait, no, Keaton's yeah, is supernatural. This one is science. Correct, yeah, yeah. This one is full silence, science. 1997's Jack Frost is all about... The uh, science. The science, the coroners who are giving their expert opinion on the murders in this small town. We've got a very... Um, I would say, you know, it's attempting to be very scientific, but at the same time, it sounds like a whole bunch of hogwash. Boulder Dash. 
Folderol. I'm not. I'm no scientist, but I'm going to call bullshit on some of the the science that they're. I love. I I I love the scene where the guy's got like some sort of like um, thermal reader, dips it into the puddle, oh. and he's like, oh, "Yep, yep, yep. This this guy changed form." <laughs> like what? How do you know that? How can you possibly tell from that little like meat thermometer that you put in the in the puddle? Great. As as we'll get into as we as we talk about the movie, there are n- a number of scenes like that in Jack Frost where you're just like, "The fuck is going on? Why? <laughs> what? Why? And how?" They're good questions for this one. Now, both of us watched the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. Vinegar Syndrome put that out like a couple years ago. And um, fun I'm fact, curious, I'm curious why. Because that's their wheelhouse. They do. Uh, all kinds of, you know, low low budget. I know, um, but it's, these are films that you don't yeah. want to see in fucking 1080p. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, this <laughs> film was released like direct-to-video back in 1997. And my dad did have it in the uh, the the um, movie uh, place. And I do. I, I do remember Video World having it as well. And like yeah, sat prominently right next to like Ice Cream Man. And it had a lenticular cover. I don't know if you remember that, where it had the 3D image that you would, you know, like uh, move back and forth. And you can see that Jack Frost changes from like regular snowman to monster killer snowman. And it looks fucking dreadful. Yeah. So Vinegar Syndrome, when they released this, they did release it with a slip cover that had a new lenticular cover on it as a throwback to the original. So it's a fun fact for anybody that's out there looking to own Jack Frost. I don't think the slipcover is available anymore. And I don't have it. I didn't, I, you know, I don't like this film enough where I was like, I'm going to pay $35 for a fucking lenticular slipcover for it. No, thank you. I'll take the standard edition. $20 is probably still too much to. I would just like the idea of someone who's eight years old fucking like, Oh, look at that. That, that, you know, maybe I'll I'll try to convince mom to rent that for me because they might think it's the Keaton Jack Frost. And then, like twenty five years later, being like, you know what I need? You know what I need? I need a copy. I need a Blu ray copy of Jack Frost. You know. Yep. They still haven't gotten to Jack Frost two, which I am not familiar with. I never, I've never seen that one before. I, all I would like to say is that this film totally ripped off, like the, <clears throat> the story that I wrote in creative writing class in like the second grade about that was called uh, Attack at the killer abominable snowman so i'm you know gonna be and and back putting my my legal team never been done before i'm gonna i'm gonna be putting my legal team forward to (laughs) write this wrong (laughs) Uh, you know i'm not looking for money i'm just looking for credit (laughs) 23 years later you get credit for it they're gonna retroactively put your name in the credits yeah. Say thanks to Chris Martin and his second grade essay for. Oh no, not essay. It was a short story. We'd, I'd like you to read it on air. You know, um, I think um, one of our friends from elementary school has the binder of like short stories that we wrote. But it was a masterpiece. It was probably probably in line with what we got from Jack Frost. Maybe. <laughs> I can only imagine because I haven't seen it in like 25 years. So it's it's probably, you know, when you when you wrote it, were you imagining Shannon Elizabeth in any state of undress? No, I didn't know who she was at the time. Because this is her first film. So, you know. We, we, but I, I distinctly remember the cover and everything um, back when I was younger. It's definitely one of those. And and you like really you don't need to see the film at all to know from the cover art and everything that this is a direct TV nineties film. It's it's readily apparent. <laughs> and, and and even then, if you weren't sure by just seeing the cover art, then popping the film in in the first five minutes, you know. You you know this was DTV. It just has that it it just has that feel. 
There's a distinctive feels like a leprechaun sequel. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's just got one of those one of those feels to it that you you know that it was Directv. And the so the the director Michael Cooney has really done nothing else. He just he's only done Jack Frost and Jack Frost Two. This was his reason to etra. Well, I was seeing too. Um, I I can't remember where I saw, but it was saying that um, he directed the film because they couldn't hire somebody to direct the film. They didn't have the money to, so he had to direct it, which is always a good sign. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the guy is uh, has written a few other things, um, notably Six Souls with um, uh, was it? Uh, Julianne, um, what's her name? Six Souls was one that I had actually seen um, not too long ago. Saw it uh, probably a few years ago. It was garbage. He wrote that one. And he he also helped to write Jack Frost. He wrote it with another fella, Jeremy Page. Um, but yeah, that's that's not a good sign when you you see you see that he's no one else would direct it. You know they they shopped it around. They got no money. Michael falls to Michael Cooney to direct. All right. So before we get too far into the film, let's take a break. So we got a very special beer on the show today. It's like a nice 1980s episode about. Uh, alcoholism or child molestation on a very special uh, episode when the music gets soft and yeah. there's a you know that there's a, a reminder during commercial breaks we'll, we'll be back to the special episode should have done that for scrooged that's right yeah. you'll, love <laughs> you'll love it all right so take it away what do we got on the show today for beer we have a nice New decadent beer brought to us by Beer Tree. And by brought to us, I mean they didn't actually give us the beer because that'd be too cool. But, um, bought a new beer from them. Um, and it's called Virtuosity, which is a dragon fruit, passion fruit, marshmallow sour New England IPA. What a combo! What a, a lot of things a, going on in it. Yeah. Because usually when you think of Nipahs, I mean, you think of citrusy fruit, but usually they're not shooting for dragon fruit and passion fruit. Uh, putting marshmallow into your IPA is not something that you would really think of. I mean, it's kind of, it is the next logical step after kind of like a lactose. Uh, being added to an IPA, but it's a little out there. And so is like the idea of it being like a sour, like a ghost. So they're combining like a whole bunch of. Essentially, it's a. I don't know, it had to have like a brewmaster kind to break it down for me, because honestly, I wouldn't even consider this to be a IPA or an IPA on the taste profile because it's. The passion fruit and the dragon fruit is so very overwhelmingly present and not in a bad way, but it's <clears throat> obviously, you know, front and center more so than like a hop characteristic. Yeah. And so is the sour aspect. It's not a really bitter sour like the Warheads, like where it's really tart, but it's got en enough like a bite there give you that sour aspect and then the marshmallow part is absolutely delightful too because you definitely get a nice light sugary marshmallowy feel to you know pair which pairs absolutely perfectly with the dra dragon fruit and the passion fruit it, this is i haven't had i mean i've had beer we've had beer tree before i do know they make a couple other like marshmallow nipa sours haven't this is the first one that i've had of theirs I've heard really good things about it. It's an odd combination, but I think with the right fruits, it definitely is something that would be like a delightful, refreshing, 
decadent drink to have. And this is that. Yeah, this is really good. I, we've had a couple beer trees before. Um, never one to this degree. You know, we've had some really good ones from them. Um, this is almost more like what Equilibrium is doing right now. Um, and uh, marshmallow being one of those ingredients that just seems to be very um, popular right now for IPAs. And I think it pairs really well. As I was saying to Martin before, the marshmallow just brings out another component to an IPA um, that I, I just think is, you know, it it it's something that has really added something what you might not have thought could be done to an IPA is like, how, how do you change it significantly? How do you change the formula? I think the marshmallow just adds another layer to it. Um, it, it definitely adds more depth to that lactose characteristic. Cause I can see how like the lactose, like when we, like when we had the moon sugar IPA from founders on, you know, it, it had uh, the, it was lactose IPA. And while good, I, you know, I can see kind of how just like a general, like slight creaminess and like milk sugariness could like kind of turn you off. But like the marshmallow aspect is basically taking that and adding a little bit extra layer and fluff to it. Uh, no pun intended on that, you know, and enhancing whatever fruits that you have in there. I think the, um, sometimes the lactose can be too sweet. It can make you know, especially if you've got a IPA with uh, citrus characteristics or or even a double IPA can sometimes make it overly sweet. The marshmallow doesn't do that. It brings out another flavor to it. And I think that's what the virtuosity has. Um, it's got a very nice passion fruit, dragon fruit tartness to it. Um, and then that marshmallow sweetness uh, and like vanilla-ness to it that I think is really, really good. Um, with that said, like you said, with the Nipa element, I, I you know, I, I don't see that as much. Um, it's not extremely hoppy or anything like that, which you would think from a IPA standpoint. Um, it actually tends to be more sour than anything else. But I, this just really blew me away. It's it's just really, really good. And the explosion of ingredients that you get in it is just, you know, some of, some of the best beer that I've had recently. It's like a fantastic like dessert IPA, which is something you wouldn't really think of like a dessert IPA. Yep. Um, but yeah, I really enjoy this. I like it a lot. Twenty one ninety nine for a four pack. Well worth it. This is great. Really good. Yeah. There are some beers that you're you know you pay that price for and you're like mm, I don't I wouldn't do it again. But Virtuosity, I definitely would get it again. Um. Like I said, I, I'm sure somebody who is much more ingratiated into the, like the beer making process on how this is a Nipa and how you know how it's made makes it a New England style IPA. But overall, I would say the sour, lactose, and you know fruit aspect of it very much. You know, I wouldn't even ever think of beers that are made like this to be. Nipas, you know, I would put them more in the like sour front because when you, I, I actually poured this into a glass and it looks like pink lemonade. Yeah, not only that, but this is supposed to be a double Nipa, so you would expect a double Nipa element to be, you know, a little bit hoppier, hop forward with it, and I don't get that. Yeah, I don't really find that to be a a detriment to this beer. I just, just from the actual name of it itself, the what they're listing it as, it's not as prevalent no, as you might No, have. you're right. I don't think it's a detriment because I'm just thinking like if you were to go blind into this, you'd be like, oh, a Nipa with passion fruit and dragon fruit, marshmallow, and it's going to be a little sour. Okay. But I would still expect to like get like a overall hop, you know, characteristic to it. I mean, I do at the very back end after like just having a little burp right now. Like, oh, there's the hop. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine it being as you know, fruit and sour forward as it is. Yeah. Right. We had that excellent beer talk. Let's get into Jack Frost. 
So Jack Frost, you got you got something film. that you wanted to start out with, right? Yes, I do. In fact, it's uh, kind of a something that should be right within our ballywick. Um, the film is called Jack Frost. You're imagining a nice snow-filled landscape. This snow, it's abominable. Pardon the pun. <laughs> Dreadful. The snow in this town. Not. I'm not talking about Jack Frost, the the snowman, which he does look like fucking styrofoam shite. But that's besides the point. Yeah, yeah. The snow in this town looks absolutely ridiculous, terrible. Not only that, they had a blizzard the next day. Not a trace of snow out 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 on the roads or anything or banks. It's just up in this in this snow lot where they're building snowmen. And this store over here. It looks terrible. There's not a snowy landscape that you would expect around Christmas time, let alone in a fucking Colorado mountain town. And that brings me that brings me to my second point, though. Colorado, because this town, Snowminton, is the Midwest capital of snowmen. I got news for you. Colorado is fucking mountain time. That is not the Midwest. <laughs> this goddamn Brit doesn't even know his fucking geography. Colorado's not well, the Midwest. I guess if you look at the if you look at the trivia, they said that sometimes during filming this film, um, they would get up to like seventy degree temperatures. So they had to do all things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and you're right when you when you talked about I I thought you were going to get into Jack Frost himself because Jack Frost the snowman is definitely uh, not well designed. You know, to to look like an actual snowman, he does look like. Somebody took some styrofoam and maybe some of like that. Um, uh, like the like, snow in this town when they do close up, it looks like fucking feathers from like an old school feather pillow. The one scene where Shannon Elizabeth is uh, in the bathtub. Oh, it's awful. Around the <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it absolutely looks like they took some feathers and they threw that in the bathtub. <clears throat> like, uh, but like it just looks dread. Like the, the fucking. Like the snow on the like stores as he's like walking through the town, it, it looks like fucking frosting on a gingerbread house. It, that's, it, that's it look- always, you know, what we have to point out during films about with snow in them because from, you know, from upstate New York, it's very apparent when we, there's we just got snow. four feet of snow last week. Yeah, from this yeah, nor'easter. We, Not only that, uh, we well, just, going right to the beginning too. When they're driving in this snowstorm, these a- oh, I was just getting pissed off watching these assholes driving this fucking truck with like two guys peeking, you know, through the fucking windshield of like you know two inches of sight. Yeah. You know, if you if you drive your car like that, you're an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like people yeah. who do Pull that, that like fucking makes car. me fucking angry. I don't even get road rage, but that really does like piss me off when like people drive like assholes like that. Get off yeah. the road. Wait for your car to defrost. Don't be a douche. Absolutely. So then again, I'm the same kind of person when it comes to like snow on my car. I have to brush all of it off before I can start my journey. I can't have a speck of it on it. Well, that is just courtesy for other drivers. Yeah, responsible. Not having a fucking ice junk come flying at their windshield. Yeah, in case a sheet of ice comes flying off when you're driving. So, Jack Frost involves a serial killer who, ironically, is literally named Jack Frost. That's literally his name. Jack Frost. The film doesn't go into... doesn't try at all to not make that sound stupid. Name is literally Jack Frost. But, Jack Frost, a prominent killer, is finally being carted through Colorado to his, uh, I guess, death sentence. Why? Like, if he was like wanted for federal murder, which is weird, and of it's like you know, so apparently he committed murder at the federal level. You know, there one, there's no death penalty for the fucking federal government right now. Um, so. But and they take him to Colorado to do it. Like I, I don't understand the whole premise of them carting him around. And they were going for this... They were they were trying to do like the same Halloween style thing, where it's like we've got to transport Michael Myers on Halloween night. You know, we're we're we're, 
we're bringing him somewhere else on Halloween night. It's it's that sort of like I guess throwback to it. But yeah, He's you're right. It being kind and uh, giving the film credit. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense in the scheme of things. But Jack Frost has been brought to justice. He's going. He's going to be uh, sentenced to death. He's getting the electric chair. And unfortunately, the uh, drivers of this transport vehicle get into a really stupid accident that doesn't that has a great um, two two shot close ups of uh, both drivers being like, what the fuck? <laughs> like they came out of nowhere. It spins like a fucking, like, you know, uh, Batman segue, like the Adam West Batman, like, you know. It's a, that entire opening sequence is just one after the other of, like, ridiculous sequences. It just, the whole thing, the whole moment is ridiculous. It's very leprechaun-y. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, like I said, first five minutes, you know this is direct to, to video. This is DTV. No, no doubt about it. See the first five <laughs> minutes, and you know. And then not only that, but after the whole Jack Frost scene where he's doused in uh, experimental chemicals, reduced to goo, and then, re- you know, transposed into a snowman. Which, by the way, nobody was like thinking like, "Hey, this uh, experimental genetic shit." Which is apparently labeled right on the. I didn't know there was a fucking uh, DOT warning label, genetic, you know, material. You know, apparently they don't teach me or teach us that at the distribution center about when it comes to because we have to take hazardous uh, training every year. I don't remember that being on the DOT's list of things, you know. But be careful. Genetic Genetic liquid, whatever the fuck. Brazo. turns into styrofoam man (laughs) yeah but not only after that scene but we get the most ridiculous scene later after that when we first meet the the sheriff who is uh has a flashback sequence of seeing how he brought jack frost to justice and scott mcdonald who plays jack frost in this film is really doing a stand-up job being as over the top as possible because in that first sequence in that flashback where he has to um, basically curse the sheriff and say he's going to get his revenge. He is extremely over the top. Yeah. He, uh, I like, think the direction was be, be like uh, Chucky, but even ham it up even more so. Right. Like, yeah. Like just go all out. Yeah. Brad Duriff, but make it way even bigger. More. That brings me to my third point. Why, again, have we reviewed another film where the sheriff of a county is only focused on one fucking town? Is this the county seat? I don't understand. He's a sheriff. He's not a village or town cop. It's a sheriff. Maybe this murderer is murdering all around the fucking Snowminton County. We don't know. But he only cares about Snowminton. Stupid. It's just like fucking uh, Brian Dennehy and Rambo. First blood. That that got a lot more area to patrol than just, you know, the one fucking town. The name of the town, Snowminton. It's just so so stupid. Just a fucking awful name. They didn't even try. (laughs) No creativity to it whatsoever. And like, and another nice point. So, Snowminton, home of the world famous snowman contest, uh, snowman contest. What's it with movies and all the fucking Midwest? Mid, and again, this is on air quotes because Colorado's not the fucking Midwest, but these Midwest towns claiming to be the home of whatever, and it's always a bunch of bullshit and fucking. The remake of Silent Night, home of the world's biggest Santa contest. I think the Guinness books need to be doing some, like sending some people out to patrol these areas and be like, hey, you're claimed bullshit. <laughs> There's a bigger one. Someone's designed their job is just 
to go out to uh, all these towns that are claiming some sort of uh, yeah for like local pride. Like, oh, we got the world's best. No, you don't. Come on. They have like a whole meeting about it, like the, the in front of the whole town. This one person is is tasked with going out in front of the whole town and saying, "Oh yeah, you know how you're claiming that your you know your town's the biggest whatever." Well, it's I'm here to tell you that it's totally not true. You're gonna need to strike that from all of your signs. Yeah, well, and they always like have these things they're home of that are so innocuous, like home with the best snow. Co- you know, come on. Nobody cares. No wonder why nobody goes to this town. Yeah, that's their uh, their only claim to fame. That's what they're they, they uh, like. You, like, no wonder why no one's touring to fucking Snowmonton. They got the fucking sign like home contest in all the world. It's like, yeah, keep driving. Well, uh, shit in the woods on our way to Denver. So, what do you think of the? The actual like Spider Man esque mutation that Jack Frost gets to turn him into this killer snowman. It's stupid. We all know that it's extremely scientific. It was well researched. Clearly has the potential to happen. What I think is interesting about Jack Frost is that at no point does it ever really seem to find its own sense of tongue in cheek humor. It never really seems like the movie is taking itself as a joke, like it that it could be, you know, something of a, a comedy or, you know, just recognizing the ridiculousness of its plot. It's got the room aspect of like, it's take me seriously. Then after everyone does it, like, yes, it's a comedy. Exactly. Like I, it was marketed, you know, post release after as a comedy, like a horror comedy. But it's really not. It's it's more so in the vein of if really trying to do this seriously. Um, I never really get some films. You can really you get the idea that they they know they know that it's stupid and they're playing that up. But I don't get that feeling from Jack Frost. I really feel like for the most part, they are shooting for a serious horror film that has the. You know the inclinations of being uh, having witty one-liners, like in *Child's Play* or the later *Nightmare on Elm Street* sequels. That's what it's shooting for, and yet taking it very seriously at the same time with a murderous snowman, which I found very interesting because I think if the film let go a little bit and had a little bit more fun and kind of poked fun at itself, it would be a better movie for it. I, I think that Jack Frost, um, while I would say that I do enjoy it to a certain extent, it's not bad enough to be so bad it's good, like a troll too. It's 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 not to that level where you can sit back and kind of laugh at literally everything that's happening in it. I would actually say that for about half of the film, it's kind of mundane. And the last part of the movie really tends to go too long because there's what like three times where Jack three Frost fake, comes. Let's say three fake out endings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, I, I think this is that's Peter Jackson's uh, inspiration for the uh, Return of the King. You know the three different endings that you get through that three-hour fucking schlock. I actually it's haven't called, seen Return of the King. I've only seen the Fellowship of the Ring. I think. So I haven't seen The Return of the King, but yeah, I'll take your word for it. I I think that it just goes on too long at the end because you have those three fake outs and you're like, fuck, will this thing end? You know, should have been an hour and 15. They stretch it to an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Like there's just too many of those fake out moments. And um, I guess the ending that we do get with the antifreeze. I like that ending. I think that makes sense. You know, use the <laughs> uh, oh, God. to melt Jack Frost and then, and then, uh, you know, basically fill up a container full of his fluids and just kind of let it sit there so that uh, you you make sure that he never forms again. I think that makes sense to me. I, I like yeah, he, the sheriff wasn't blinded in that truck from fucking chemical birds. <laughs> Well, rolling around in the antifreeze. Oh, yeah, that made sense. What 
the other thing too is that Jack Frost has an icicle that protrudes out of his uh, stomach or whatever. I, I'm going to call it his penis. It's Jack Frost's penis, and he basically impales the sheriff with the uh, icicle, and he is under the assumption and tells the audience that he's piercing his heart because he's like, oh yeah, there's there's the clearly not. There. But yeah, but clearly not because then the sheriff is like fine and dandy after and chucks him out a second story window. Eats him out, I would say. Just uh I don't know. I kind of the the um the antifreeze ending, because I think that uh you know story wise it makes sense. Um there's too many endings. There's too many fake out endings. The blow up scene. The uh, what's the other? What's the other one where he he nearly is killed, but then oh, they lock him into uh, a furnace. A, a furnace, and then he's melted again. Which which is again, stupid. Yeah. Oh, he can go from solid to liquid, and it's uh yeah. But if you if he's solid, then you can hurt him. What? You can be. How the, how the fuck does that work? Why couldn't you just pour antifreeze into a puddle that he's in? Well, I mean, I'm just saying in general, they use like the whole hair, you know, blow dryer shit, like to heat to warm him up. But it's like he can go for. He can shift phases. So how the. And it doesn't hurt him. So how the hell does going from frosty to fucking a puddle not hurt? But then if you like, you know take a blow dryer to him when he's the snowman and hurts him. I think we're definitely thinking too far into this. Well, Although you, you kind of have to, if you're adding all these gimmicks. Exactly. The film does invite that because it is very, it, it thinks it's scientific. It thinks it's like, it spends a lot of, it actually has two scenes where a coroner comes out and makes a diagnosis where they're like, based on the angle of the <laughs> neck, in the chair. I'm going to say in the corner. It's a town doctor. You know, they don't yeah. have a corner. Like, I'm going to say County. This, this man was his, his head was snapped back quickly. And only one time. It's like, okay. Yeah. Only one time. If he was dead, why would he need a second time? You can, would have been, would have been the perfect opportunity to get the coroner from LA noir to be just throw in. And I'm going to run for a semen sample. Because you could be, um, oh, you could be investigating a fire, and he'd still show up and be like, "I'm gonna test for a semen sample." <laughs> test for semen, <laughs> just in case. Um, what did you think about the music? Okay, I glad you asked, because um, one of my comments is on that. Um. <laughs> and I put, that's not the Brian Setzer trio playing. <laughs> did they get? Did they get Brian's less talented third cousin to like do the music? It's very sporadic. Um, I like in some ways how it does a um, like a synthy, slowed down, moody rendition of the Nutcracker Suite. If you hear it, you can kind of hear that melody playing. Um, throughout the film in some ways but at the same time it also has a very very goofy almost cartoonish soundtrack in other areas where it's uh, not only like the soundtrack but also cartoony sound effects that go along with it um, it really lessens the impact of the film if it's taking itself seriously because it's extremely you know cheesy and it's all over the place too. It's, it's, uh, there's, I think there's a Western theme at one point. Yeah. Um, when they're doing the whole Western town. Yeah. It's just, it's the themes are all over the place. And, but for the most part, it tries, it goes like very like Brian Setzer orchestra, like Christmas, like, you know, like, you know, it's got that like '50s guitar riff, like the ding 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 ding
Yeah, so yeah, Ryan Setzer. Yeah, it's it's very, very odd. It's just all over the place. I don't really I don't know why they chose to do it that way, but it it's certainly interesting. Um just very, very strange. I don't, I don't get it. So I thought you'd have something to say about the the music, since you normally do mention uh films that have really weird soundtracks. Yeah, well, it's not fitting. I mean, like you said, maybe if it was actually Brian Setzer playing, like, okay, you can get into it. But here's, like, you know, somebody went on to, like, AOL and, like, search, you know, keyword, um, free Brian Setzer music. Stumbled right, upon so, a 1995's version of, uh, uh, op- you know, open source music. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with the sound effects. Cause the sound effects for most of this film are fucking like you know, ripped out of Three Stooges. Bong, doom, doom, yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like sort of the cartoony sound effects that it has going on throughout. It's it's definitely definitely strange. Um, how about the gore effects? Um, this, the film itself does have a number of, of killings and, um, they're all lame. I mean, I, I kind of see the appeal in some ways. Um, the one that I noticed was, that was, uh, that kind of stood out is when, uh, Shane Elizabeth's boyfriend is getting murdered and an icicle shoots out of Jack Frost and pierces him to the door in the head. And then you see on the opposite side of the door that the puncture mark, and there's almost like a a pulsation there. And I was trying to figure out, like, is that his brain pulsing for some reason? Like, why would why would your brain be pulsing? Because that's supposed to be brain matter if he was hit in the head. But your brain doesn't pulse, your heart pulses. And I just was trying to get the the reasoning behind that, I, I didn't, I, I don't know why they did that. Did you notice that? Yeah, no, it, it's just, I didn't care. <laughs> you didn't care. You're just like, all right. Well, At whatever. that point, I was trying to figure out why these people in this Colorado town were going to have sex in the sheriff's house for no fucking reason. Like, why, why are they doing it? Is it just naughtier? Does that turn on Shannon Elizabeth? That like, ooh, we're gonna, we're gonna have sex in the sheriff's house while they're at the church. And, the and and what aggravated me more is it's obviously not snowy and cold town. They dressed in obscene layers, like they were in fucking negative thirty degree weather, at fifty degrees out, and they're wearing like twelve different thermals and shit underneath. And that whole like <laughs> that whole two minutes of them taking their clothes off at these awkward close shots were unnecessary and just ridiculous. I think there's a couple problems with that scene. For one, Shannon Elizabeth's brother has just been brutally decapitated. And her father yells at her not to go over and see this guy. Because Tommy. Tommy grief, yeah, their grief's not good enough for her at the house. So she's like, you know what? My brother just died, but fuck it. I'm going out and I'm, I'm going to get laid. Well, she. Well, we got to see that earlier when, like, Tommy's like making his snow babe with his, you know, snowman with boobies, and she's like literally, like, essentially saying it but not saying, it, like, saying "fuck me," and he's like, oh, "I can't, I'm busy." <laughs> so one issue with Shannon Elizabeth there, but the second issue is Shannon Elizabeth blow dries her hair and then goes to take a bath. Who does that? Who blow dries their hair to get in a bath? Doesn't make well, any sense. Her hair already looked fantastic. It doesn't. It do, it doesn't make sense to me. It already Who looked like that? Shan Elizabeth hair, you know, straight out of you know any Shan Elizabeth you know film. So you're right. I think you're missing the point. Is that you don't blow dry your hair and then go get in a bath and then get it wet again. And then you got to blow dry it again. What what is the point? It's because she was sweating to death because they wore four hundred layers. 
That could be. That could be. Maybe was was just... I don't know. But why would you blow dry your sweat? I know. I, I don't understand. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. But the whole do... setup is just fucking weird and stupid. Just I. It was definitely, definitely just a setup so that they could get Shannon Elizabeth to take off her 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 pants. Well, she was essentially naked because they had uh, Frosty dry humping her in the bathtub after he's like when he's hugging her and slamming her head up against the wall he's essentially just like fucking dry humping her there's a, a very leery element to her taking a bath where it's very close up shots of her like using a loofah on her legs and the director was enamored with Shannon Elizabeth let's just say and now look at her she's a Living in South Africa, running like wildlife refugees. Absolutely. She was on um, Celebrity Big Brother. So, good for her. Doing some, doing some good in the world. Not starring in Jack Frost anymore. Um, what else you got on your list that we didn't touch on? Um, let's take a look-see. Take a goosey. Let's talk about um Agent Manners. Oh yeah. Or as I would like to call him, low, 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 low rent Chuck Norris. Cause my God, does he ever look like Chuck Norris? But if you found him even further in that bargain bin, because I hate to break it to you people, Chuck Norris is already bargain bin fodder. No one's uh, reaching for Delta Force at first, okay? Agent Manners is definitely what people who don't know anything about, like, the government involvement in um, murders, criminal affairs. Yeah, that's what they think of. That well, that was that was the other uh, another comment I had right after that. Like, you can't just call the FBI like that. FBI comes out and they're like, you've got two murders here in this small town? Okay, we're sending our best agent. Like, he just calls right up and they, like, pipe him in. They're like, yeah. Yeah, what do you want? Oh, hi, Sheriff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure if you called the FBI, they'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah. Move along. In Jack Frost's case, they were he was already preparing because they knew that they had fucked up and now Jack Frost was out there with a chemical agent, and they had and the toxic had, Avenger. Yeah, so they was he was already assembled, but uh, yeah, the the film kind of treats the FBI in like a weird manner, where any small town cop can just be like, "Hmm, need the FBI's help. Let's get some involvement." Uh, not okay. go to the state police first or anything like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, Agent Manners uh, is. A, a totally ridiculous character. He's an asshole. I but I I do love it. He has a fantastic turtleneck. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, he's got like the, a tactical turtleneck on. Is what I would call it. It's great. You know, it's just like oh. Now he's staying rightly warm, you know, because he's got the long sleeve turtleneck on, you know, to keep him nice and toasty. The uh, film has a lot of weird turns of phrase, too. Uh, there's that, at one point where he says, um, well, that information is for people that need to know, and you don't. It's just... <laughs> it's great. Like it was written by a foreigner? Like somebody... <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> like English is a second language, just like, you know, like, ooh. It just, Close. It just, you, almost, you, almost had the, you almost had the phrase down. Yeah, it just doesn't flow right. Doesn't flow right, but yeah, that that character is totally ridiculous. How about the uh, how about the guy that runs Paul that runs the uh, like the store, the, the local one, store, one local store in the area? It's like the I don't know. You remind me of the guy from Cheers. Uh, was it Norm or whatever? I don't know the guy that voiced the pig yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of remind me of a low rent him. You know, kind of looks like him, but. He's he's way over the top too, way over the top. 
<laughs> I just loved when he's like, Tommy, we got salt and salt and like he forgot the line. He's like, we got solid and uh, that ice salt. Come here. There's a. I guess he just is accustomed to just barging into people's houses because he walks into that house where the lady's been murdered in the Christmas tree, who's basically been crucified. The film's version of a crucifixion where she's got her arms outstretched, pierced by uh, ornaments. Then it's got the star as the crown of thorns on her head. Her death was pretty cool. Um, that was a good one. It was a cool. I mean, they didn't, I mean, you don't get to see it, so they just show like the aftermath, which is like stupid. Clearly, a doll being smashed into a box. Yeah. So. Into the ornaments. That and the fact that, like, in 1995, you still have like glass, what, like glass ornaments. Like, what is this fucking 1850? You know. <laughs> you you probably have some shitty little paper mache thing hanging that your son made in kindergarten. Like, ah. I thought they did a pretty good job with that, though. Um, pretty good scene. And like I said, the crucifixion element to it is well, definitely the same. It makes up because the fucking her hu- bastard husband gets the handle of an axe like shoved into his like throat. Right. Yep. And we don't even see it. It's just fucking that. And you see the aftermath and it looks fucking stupid. Let's see what else didn't we cover um and i trying to think of covered a lot of it i mean we've covered a lot of the ridiculousness of this movie it's just just uh it like how about said, that nice uh sex hotel when they're going through like the motel like at the end of the film and you hear like um the sheriff's like knocking on the doors and you hear like oh I didn't hear a goat in there with the person, and then like uh, the BDSM, and like. What do you expect? It's a small town. People got to get their kinks out somehow. Silent. Take that to the next level. Yeah, they turn to the sex hotel. The only like that's probably the only hotel, so everybody knows that's the sex hotel. Like, uh, where's Rob? Oh, yep. Down at the sex hotel. I'm getting a good wanking. Getting his kink on. Yeah, didn't make, didn't, didn't stand out to me, but yeah, it's there. I just saw, I just thought it was funny because it was like a really, um, <clears throat> just like really obvious to trying to be funny. Like anytime you're trying to like throw like a goat and sex and like, you know, you're trying too hard or you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, that's it's weird because the film sometimes is funny, but again, other times it doesn't really feel like it's it's. Um, I feel like it's trying, but it just doesn't work. Like especially at the end when they cram in so many fucking puns and one-liners for Jack Frost. Yeah, it's like just awful. Like yeah, made in America. The fuck. Th- that is true. That is true. That that's like uh. Jack Frost gets a lot of bad lines. You missed the seven ten split. You guys weren't even lined up. Like, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's just not clever. It's not clever and witty. It's just fucking stupid. Like, here's the one pitch. What are you? A really pissed off snow cone? Yep. Yep. There's a couple others too. Don't but, eat uh, yellow snow. I should have kept a track of like the shitty one-liners, like like you know, wrote them down and have like a fucking old-timey stopwatch, like you know, like that click, click, click. What would you say the the Christmas element to this film is? How how Christmassy is Jack Frost? Zero. It's not. I lied. I lied. Two. Give it a two out of ten on the Christmas scale because you see like the one Christmas tree where the woman gets killed. Other than that, there's like no lights, no decoration. You see some little shit sledding on very old school sleds. 
To be honest with you, that one kid who got his head cut off, he fucking deserved it because they shouldn't have been fucking going around on sleds from the 1700s. <laughs> yeah. We had Danger. plastic death we had plastic death saucers, you know. Right, yeah, da- not not dangerous blades on the bottom of the on the bottom of the sled. But that's probably safer. I would say the, the old school sled's probably safer than the fucking plastic death saucers that we had that, you know, went even faster down a hill and if you fucking hit a bump just the right way, you went flying ass over tea kettle. Probably say like the film is four out of ten for Christmassy stuff. I, I there are like in the backgrounds you do see some of the some like wreaths and lights and some garland, but yeah, it's not super Christmassy. It's actually more Christmassy than I remember. I didn't think there was that much Christmas in it at all, but it actually does take place around Christmas. So, um, oh, that intro too, but uh, by the Christmas tree. What the fuck's up with that? That, uh, like, uh, never ending story style and or Princess Bride, you know, intro of like, you know, scary story but a happy scary story yeah that is really weird and it is not really addressed again it's like (laughs) some i i actually forgot about that because it's never brought up again it's just weird there's no outro yeah there's no outro that says like oh yeah thanks for the story or anything like that it just they're all dead He's reading from like the fucking obituary, you know, or anything. Just man, I, t- I totally forgot about that. I I forgot that was even a thing. <laughs> yeah, very very strange. All right, so I guess we got to give this film a rating. So, hmm. I gotta think of the rating scale. On a scale of zero to ten. Oh, I got one. All right, go for it. Out of and before we give the rating, because um, I want you to comment on it because I know you would comment on it. I'm surprised you did it, but I didn't mark it down. On a scale of zero to ten, that's not a fucking bottle of wine. What would you give the film? Because that wine that Shannon Elizabeth wants, that's not fucking wine. It's like some sort of rosé thing. Not even. It's like a fucking giant wine cooler. Like a sparkling... (laughs) They had to add uh, ice to it, so it's never a good sign. Yeah. I just thought that was funny, because when she's like, they're getting stripped to have sex, like... Get ready to have that nice, you know, that lovely coitus. She's like, but first I need some wine and a bath. And they're just like, oh, yeah. What's the sheriff going to have? A nice Merlot? You know, Chardonnay? Not, he's just, you know, got a fucking 40-ounce bottle of Bartlebean James lying around. Yeah, wine cooler. Good enough. Good enough. It's obviously been sitting around a little long, so I gotta throw some ice in there. So I guess I would give this film a four out of ten. I think that it's 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 okay. It's definitely not the worst of the direct to video films I've ever seen. Uh, but it definitely it wear it wears out its welcome fast. It's and that I think is because it doesn't really know what tone it's going for. Um, it has a lot of like different pieces to it, and as we we just talked about, like the opening sequence with the story that doesn't make any sense or come back later on, uh, it it just doesn't really know what to do, and it's it's not as tongue in cheek as I would hope it to be. Um, it's I I find that the ending gets it just goes on too long. There's too many fake out endings and. Uh, you're actually now, once you get to like the third ending, you're like, Jesus Christ, would this just end already? And you don't really want that. I, I don't think that it's good enough to be so bad. It's good. It's more like, this is bad. 
but I can <laughs> and I can get through it and watch it. No, I agree. This I'd give it like a four out of ten as well. It's got no real redeemable qualities at all. It's definitely not a film that's so bad. It's good. It's very stagnant, very boring. Um, I, I think the concept would be okay if they had a budget behind it to make it not look like shit. If, you know, Jack Frost didn't look like shit and they actually had a means to up the gore to make it interesting. Because on that aspect, it's totally lacking, which makes the whole film pointless because that's the draw of the film. The writing in it is slipshod at best. There's no like real great, you know, not saying character depth, but like just like any. There's not enough enough there with either the story or the dialogue to like make it worthwhile. Like it's not puns to have fun with. They're just really like just here's a bunch of fucking lines. Have at it. Um, Everybody in this film is trash except Shannon Elizabeth. And I'm not just saying that because you get to see her butt, but I mean, she's actually the only one in this film, if you ask me, that acts halfway decent. And she's only in the film for like seven minutes. Um, the kill, like I said, the kills are just benign and really not that interesting. The film goes on for a half an hour longer than it should. The fact that you have like three fake out endings is ridiculous. Even though you know they're not fake out. You know, I mean, I, even though you know they're not actual endings. Um, yeah, it's a bad film. I hope to never watch it again. To give me my Blu-ray back. Yeah, I'll bring it right over right now. You, you won't be using it again. No, it's just, you know. Yeah. Or if you want, I'll throw it right in the receptacle where it belongs. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? We'll have to do Jack Frost 2 at some point, because I've never seen Man. it. I am curious, curious what they do with that one. I doubt even Vinegar Syndrome's touched it. They haven't, no. And it technically is a Christmas movie. <clears throat> so, interesting, interesting to see. I think in this one, though, in Jack Frost 2, they don't even try to have uh, snow climate they go right to tropical setting so oh perfect just yeah exactly what i'm looking for in this type of film no uh no no attempt at snow for that one all right so that about does it for our festivus series for christmas 2020 uh thanks a lot for listening as we have gone through these four films um, I think we will be back next time. We're gonna try to do. Um, are we gonna try to do Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four? Sure. I. Uh, I'll be able to get it. I don't. I'll try to get you a. Get you a link to see it as well. Um, that comes out December twenty fifth. So we're definitely. That's right in our wheelhouse of covering. Unfortunately, the. DC movies. I've got expectations for this one. I like to think that um, we as a society have not done well because we haven't been overloaded with DC and Marvel stuff. Though, we are now entering the I guess, golden age of Star Wars. Don't know if it's much of a golden age because I know a lot of people are shitting their pants about having 300 different series to watch, but uh, no thank you. Um, Even if they're good, no thank you. I don't have, especially at this time, the wherewithal to dedicate to such things. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to we're going to be checking out, hopefully, checking out Wonder Woman 1984. So stick around for that. Um, we are on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Uh, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. 
I think we're going to be changing our host as well. Um, so more on that as it progresses. Um, not that it matters too much to anybody if you listen to the show on an app. It'll be the same no matter what. So uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. Uh, we are, have a, an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. And you can donate to us on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. Anything that you can donate is greatly appreciated. Um, so thanks for listening to our Festivus series. We will be back fairly soon with a new episode on Wonder Woman 1984 if everything goes well. So stick around and we hope to see you back next time. Take care.